she said, that the left is trying to take God out of everything. So even if they took God out of any, everything, just from that simple exercise, it would show it's an impossibility. Where, where are you going to take God out of? If God is everything, in this microphone, in this thing, what do you care about words? It's, it's the thing about it, even this morning with that thing, love lives here, love of God. What does that mean? It's just a concept. It's just a word. Let go of the word. You'll be better off. Let go. I don't care if you call God squirrel, table. It, it doesn't matter. It's a word. And that's the problem. We're caught up in these things. And it's time to let them go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Movement Matters. My guest today is Paolo Propoto. I'll try to say Paolo. You'll hear him say it the right way. Before I introduce him, although some of you, hopefully most of you, know him very well, he is the most re he is the number one uh, recurring guest so far on Movement Matters. I've technically recorded three episodes with him, although we only released this will be the second one we've released. Um, I was, I made a boo-boo with the audio on the second one. <laughs> Before I say more about him and give his little bio, the tone of this conversation is very specific and not our norm, I would say, although we tend to get into similar kinds of conversations, Paolo and me, but this one isn't quite our norm. And it's on the heels of something... I'll say this, I'm recording this on I'm six days after Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, and I was away uh, last weekend with my family, and needless to say, it, it, my parents, my brother, a number of people were very, very affected by, and people that I was obviously on vacation with, affected by her passing, rightfully so, and the conversations I'm having with them and just in general paying attention to some of what I was seeing catalyzed a kind of a resurgence for a question or a resurgence of a question that's been clearly been on my mind for a while, years. It just keeps taking different forms. Um, and why I get, why I'm excited to talk about it with Paolo is because it is a it hits on a Taoist principle that he and I are both keenly appreciative of, which is the principle of Wu Wei, W-U-W-E-I, sometimes translated as action through non-action. It's a, a best understood, in my opinion, as a way of being which is inherently um, pure, as opposed to reactive. Now, that's not to say that reactive is bad, not at all. In fact, to think of reactive as bad is incredibly ignorant. The question that I'm toying around with here and getting to, which you'll hear in the uh, first couple moments of our conversation, is basically how can we engage with everything that, let's face it, most of the people who are listening to the show 
care about engaging with without purely reacting or without just reacting, which is another way of saying rising up against or fighting against. And the preface, why I'm, why I'm giving a little preface about this is because I'm not sure that it's clear enough in the beginning of this conversation that I wholeheartedly respect and appreciate the fact that people fight. And I have a relationship with violence that is, I'm grateful for the ability for humans to, to violate. It's not a bad thing. We just need to use it like any other tool properly. And I say properly and with a the footnote of, do we really know how to best do that? Do we normally best use that tool? And I guess the main opinion that I'm coming to the table with is, no, I don't think we do. And the main aspect that I believe we're missing in terms of improving our capacity for using that tool is having a vision, a clear and fundamentally good vision for all. The, the challenge that I believe is before us is to not simply repeat and recycle behaviors and patterns which will keep us in a fighting against uh, experience. We don't we need to be able to fight, but we need to be fighting for something new. And that's not what I'm seeing people completely getting. Now, do I completely get it? Hell no. Does Paolo? No, neither one of us does. That does, however, our question is an important ingredient in this mix. The What we're speaking to is an important component that needs to be as considered as what Mitch McConnell's lying about, what all of the people are, that we can perceive as enemies and project um, evil upon. They're, what they're bringing to the table needs to be considered. And so does the fundamental question of, are we fighting for something truly better? And I don't think we've quite, I don't think we've cooked that stew yet enough. We need to cook it further. And that's the nature of what Paolo and I are getting into. Like what, what would that fully cooked vision really, what could that fully cooked vision really look like? Or what are some key ingredients for that stew? And Paolo brings to this, to the, <laughs> to this meal, something that I know, I don't know of anybody who can do it quite as well which is exactly why I was so excited to talk about it with him, because as I compliment him on, he holds to that line that you'll hear him very, very uh, consistently refer to. He holds to that sort of mystical, could, in quotes, these words are projections, uh, mystical or ethereal or somehow just not as conventional line so well. He's just there. And I get it. And what we attempt to do is explain how that needs to be part of the equation here. It's not the only part, but it needs to be part. Okay, so there's a little preface because I don't think that that's f totally clear enough in the beginning. We, we unpack that throughout, but I, I want you to have that information going into it. 
All right. So with that, Paolo is one of the acupuncturists, one of the two at Bridge Acupuncture right here in our lovely little borough. And gosh, what else? He's a father. He's a husband. And he's one of my best friends. And he is a dear, good, sweet Italian (laughs) man. And you're going to get a little bit of a, you're going to get a wild ride here. He's going to take you on a little journey. Okay. Thank you, Paolo. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy and we'll see you soon. Enjoy. Okay. Now that we've gotten our warm up, so here's the intro question that I thought we could, we could noodle on to begin with. Sure. I've been trying to figure out a succinct way to say this and what you the little hint you gave me last night. It's like, okay, we can do that today. The succinct way to ask the following question. And I know you're going to understand the spirit of it, but we're probably going to unpack it anyway. Um, Lorenz and I were talking about it, which was really helpful. But Ari and I, were the, we got to this key question. The question is, how can we rise up without rising up against can we rise up without having to rise up against? And, by, and the overlap with you is, of course, the Wu Wei and the the mystical arts of our yeah. So I'm always existence to and I'm always gonna go like I know nothing about like activism or anything like that. I don't feel called to be an activist, um, because to be honest, I don't know how much I believe in um, wrong or right. You know, and because I feel like the rise of one is going to be um, the rise of another. Well, all right, right. Real quick, a little more backstory then, because yeah, I know please. you care. You don't have to. We don't have to be identifying as activists. We care, right. and we can see our whole our whole way of being as activism if we choose to. Okay, which I think you and I maybe do. Like we no, we do a lot of the same things. We're engaged in a lot of the same kinds of. Um, activities so the idea that activism has to be the specific way of like well i I guess when you were saying about like rising up i was thinking like what what would i say like strategically of something we can do (laughs) and and i i when i when i'm i don't i think like at the end of the day i think it, it needs to be you need to look inward before you do anything, right? Like the seed is inside of itself. It's inside the soil and then it rises up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I really do. I think it's the only way to go. I really do. I do too. And and here's the, I should give you this little preface as well. So obviously Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on yeah. Friday. That was a, that was like the next straw that broke the, broke the respective camels back for yeah. people. And I get it. And I understand what people are, many people are fired up about and concerned about worried about um the the outcome is clearly many people who i believe have essentially lived like pacifists are more ready and they've declared that they're ready to fight they're ready to even take up arms yeah people that i would have never been able to think of in that way yeah they're feeling more fired up than seemingly ever in their lives which is a big deal to me and yeah, I, I don't, I, it's not, I can't connect with it. And I, I struggled because I can't, I don't feel a connection to that. 
which is again, I think what you're kind of saying, you have, like, why not? Why not connect with that? Hence, I'm asking it as a question because I do want to, I don't want to be ignorant. And I don't want to ignore what people are fired up about. Obviously, there are many liars that have power that they don't deserve to have or they they really need to not have. Like that clearly is a a thing that makes sense to be pissed off about. And to be focused on fighting against doesn't really add up, I think, to both of us. And I'm saying it doesn't really add up to me. And the main reason that I am not clear about it is because I don't think there's a good enough vision that people have. Like, if we're really going to just rise up and fight, is it for basically the lives that we've normalized? Because quite frankly, I don't want to fight for that, honestly. And I don't want to sound like I um, don't appreciate what I have and I, that I don't appreciate what this country uh, how it's different from many others. But the the suggestion, which seems implied in you've got to fight against something, is that we're, our current standard of living is, is good enough. And I'm not of that mindset. It's not good enough to me yeah. on many, many levels. And our, if we're just going to fight for our current standard of living which to me is usually comes with the negation of our potential and our power and, and the, the purposeful existence and the passionate and playful, um, full of flavor. That reminded me of the dinner last night, yeah. talking about full of all the flavors. Is that what, are we really fighting for something like that? Or are we just fighting for this current sort of circle and cycle that quite frankly isn't to, is not good enough to me? I want us to have a clearer vision if we're going to rise up. And I don't see that. I, I don't see it either. And I don't see it on both sides. No. And, and that's my issue. It's funny because, you know, I have people on the left and people on the right that get into political uh, discussions with me. And it's funny because the left always think I'm the guy on the right. And the guy on the right always thinks I'm on the left. And it reminds me in my 20s where I was living in Florence in Italy and they're very left-winged, very, um, a, a lot of them are against the Catholic church and they all looked at me as the Catholic. But then when I was growing up here in Catholic school, I was the atheist. And I kind of, I, the fact that I feel like they, I can't be pinpointed makes me feel like I'm doing something right. You know, because I don't identify with anything, but I can see I can see the humanity, and, and I'm not trying to glorify myself. It's just a fact. Like I don't understand how you can't see. Just taking my son to school this morning, you know, you have those people, Black Lives Matter, uh, Love Lives Here. I see the signs, Love Lives Here. <laughs> well, today I saw a sign, a Trump sign, and then it says, Love Lives Here. Love of God, love of country, uh, love of family, love of... It, it didn't say arms. It just yeah. said love of family, love of friends, and love of community, and love of U.S. Constitution. <clears throat> Now I was thinking like, who, who on the left doesn't love their family? Who on the left doesn't love their community? Who, right? So my, and, and I, I'll tell you, like, I'm actually like, um, I, I feel fear for what's, what's to come only because well, that's I, exactly the point. That's why we're talking. Yeah. About because it. The, not my issue it. is the people that are on the left and the people on the right, when they're talking to me before they were just talking and they would like attack Trump or they were glorifying Trump. Now they're talking about the other side 
as if they're not even humans. Exactly. And, and that scares me because that's a slippery slope, man. Like the guy that was in the SS uniform, he had a family. He was probably a good guy. 100%. Yeah, I got, I allowed myself to engage with this woman in a you know, sort of absurd way, but I was, I, I maintained my composure mostly. Give me a, mostly. I, I said one thing, like, eh, all right, I'll own that. But mostly I maintained my composure, which is just to sort of walk that consistent path of just wanting to connect and i literally had to say it was like you're hypocritically dehumanizing me by simply categorizing me as what her word was elitist like that's just so you can ignore me and shut me and try to shut me up and keep me in this little box that helps you sleep at night like no i'm trying to actually listen to you and trying to actually understand where you're coming from i don't know your story i don't know anything really about you i would like to and clearly, yes, there are people who <laughs> want to vote for Donald Trump who think that that means they're upholding the Constitution. And the obvious friend, and I'm more close with these kinds of people that I'm about to describe, would say that person is a lunatic and has been manipulated and tricked. And I would have to agree to some extent because, yeah, they're mostly liars. We know they're mostly liars. Yeah. Like To think otherwise is cuckoo. So that's what they're fighting against like they're fighting against literal propaganda manipulation and the border the the preface to what you just essentially also acknowledged other a new kind of fascism and something that is clearly as we should know dan a threat to us all a threat to our very existence as a species and our very potential as a species and yet, I still, I think like you, am not saying I'm ready to just fight against any of these people, yeah, even but, Mitch McConnell. But but I but I also think that we're lucky because we get a unique, uh, we we live in a unique we'll be, reality. But right? we've worked on it too, though. I don't yeah, want to just say we're lucky. I, I, yeah, we do. We have worked on it. But I also believe uh, we get the we get the opportunity. Um, we get the opportunity where people come to us that need help. Right. So when I'm at work in one day, I get people all over the political spectrum. Right. I get like, you know, right wing, left wing, a far right QAnon people. And I get left wing, like hardcore, like that they agree with Antifa stuff. Um, so I get everybody, you know, all of it. But when they're laying on the table, what are they doing? They're talking about how their back hurts. They're talking about like their autoimmune diseases. They're talking about their sufferings. So when people talk about their sufferings, you could see the humanness inside of them, right? Like you, you can feel them. I can relate to them. And I never, I never met a patient that I didn't like. And I'm not saying that to sound like a nice guy. I truly, truly do. They're all good people. And what I found is even the people that are on the extreme that are caught up in, in this uh, energy, they're caught up in it, but they still believe what they're doing is for the good of good of everybody. They, they they still have a compassion. The only problem is is that that they're looking at this other ideology as this enemy. Exactly. And these people that believe it is an enemy, and and then which is not true. It can't. Yeah, be it's true. not true. No, they're human beings. So the the nature of the question, <clears throat> how to rise up and not be rising against, is another way of saying how do we how do we make it obvious that they're that we're the people are caught up in this cycle. And that's exactly what it it is. I see this 
constant just it's just a circle it just goes around and around and around not the way gray and i you yeah and gray and i were talking about circle although it's sort of similar it just goes around and around and around and around and if you don't you've got to be able to see that this is just a feedback loop you're just contributing to a feedback loop that's all about that fighting and that seeing an enemy and that negation of another and the whole against thing it's just a feedback loop which keeps itself alive as long as you keep yeah keep feeding it feeding it exactly <laughs> and so i'm with that i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i had the same discussion with someone that was very right wing and then someone that was very left wing the same exact discussion and the funny thing is that they were saying exactly the same thing i'm sure that's why i'm not willing to and they were trying it. to engage with me and and they couldn't because i don't really have a stance like I'll be honest with you, because I'm, I'm I don't listen to political shows and everything. I really don't know any policy that Trump really passed. And tell you the truth, I don't know any that Obama did either. Like I don't really get involved. You know what I mean? Like I don't know you too probably much. Probably know of one that Obama yeah. Did. Well, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> and and then like you know and but I do know I see like the way they act and they talk and this and that. That I do see, right? Yeah. I, so what I was saying to those people was. I think it's important. Okay, I, 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 this might take a little bit to explain, but I'll start I'm like this. Back. What I said was, let's start with yourself, right? And if you want, you can close your eyes when we do this. If you start with yourself and think of you right now, okay? I'll I'll, I'll use myself, but whoever's listening and and you yourself, Colin, think about it. Like your age. The type of thoughts that you have today, right? The type of responsibilities you have today, the type of clothes you have today. Now, let's go back a little bit. Let's leave you yourself at this age and go back. Let's go back to when you were like 10 years old, right? And go back to when you were 10 years old, the type of thoughts that you were having, right? The type of activities you enjoyed doing, how you looked physically, so it's, it doesn't take a genius to see that you were very different. You looked different. Your thoughts were different. Your priorities were different. So we're still saying it's the same person because it's still responded to the same name and it's responded to the same conditions, right, of family, environment, and so on. So let's go back further. Let's go back to when you were maybe one, two years old. You look totally different. You're much smaller. Your hair might even be different. Your thoughts, who knows what you were thinking. I will tell you, your thoughts were probably much more open. Your mind was much more open. So were you the same person that you are now? No. But still, you learned your name and those conditions were starting to put, be put upon you. So let's go back even further. Let's go to when you were just born. You just came out of your mother and you're crying, right? No thought yet, nothing. You just came out. And you're just responding to the environment, right? You want a little bit of boob, you cry. You get the boob in your mouth, you're happy. That's it, you're just responding. No thought really involved. So now let's go even further back. Now let's go back inside the womb. And actually, let's even skip in the womb and go to the part where there was your, your mom's egg 
your, your father's sperm. And then there's that element of spirit, that breath of life that has to come in. So you have this trinity of things. They're not even together yet. So you're not even one thing yet. You're these separate entities. Now let's even go further back. And now go, we have to follow that. We have to follow your mom's lineage that goes through that DNA inside of that egg. And we have to go through your father's lineage that goes through that sperm inside of, I don't know, his sack, whatever. And now go through that. Now you're going through all that lineage of your mother's side and your father's side of the 60s, the 20s, the 30s, going all the way back, all the way back, all the way back. All the way back to even to going before. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian and you believe it goes back to Adam and Eve. It doesn't matter if you believe in evolution and it goes back to the early, um, I don't know, humanoids, whatever word you want to call it. I don't care. But just sit there, close your eyes and feel it. Because that's alive in you. Or else you wouldn't exist right now. So even go back before that. Before the human. So we can look at it from the, the story of Genesis, uh, the creation story, to the day before God created Adam. Or go back to before humans even existed. Let's go all the way back. Now let's go to the beginning. Alright, there's this moment. Well, we can call it the Big Bang where nothing became something or God created something. Whatever story you want to do, it doesn't matter. Now let's go to that moment right before it. Right before something was created. Now, when I asked this, it was funny because I said, now, what was there? And someone told me, they said, it's, just, it's God. And then someone else laughed and they said, that's funny because I was going to say nothing. No matter what word you put to it, it doesn't matter. What matters is that's where you came from. That's your beginning. But if that's true, that means the person around you came from the same exact thing. Everybody came from that, that thing, that nothingness. So it's not even philosophical. It's just, to me, it's just fact that when you talk shit about your, another person, regardless if they're American or Chinese or anything, you're hurting yourself. So what I say is, you know, there's this concept um, that Rumi would talk about, like to be empty, like a flute, because when the flute is unobstructed, God can play his song through you. And every song is going to be different, right? The song of Colin is going to be different than the song of Baal. But what a beautiful song Colin is playing, or it's being played through you. And what a beautiful song is being played through me. Like even now when I'm speaking, this is my song. The song, not mine, Paolo. It's God's song that's playing through Paolo. This is the, the, this is the sound this instrument makes. But I do know when I start to listen to the news and when I start to listen to get caught up in all the things that are happening in Portland and this and that, and you start to get an emotion. You know what happens? That emotion is an obstruction in my flute. 
and now the song doesn't come out the correct way. The song gets, gets retarded a little bit, and it doesn't play as smoothly. So it doesn't matter if you agree with the right. It doesn't matter if you agree with the left. That's regardless. It doesn't. Those things don't matter. But when, when those things begin to obstruct the flute, then it matters. Because the, regardless of what you think politically, if your flute is unobstructed, you would never, never look at someone else as your enemy. It's just the way it is. And to think otherwise is craziness. To want to hurt another human being because they believe in something different than you. It's silly to me. And I, I do urge people to do that as an exercise and go back to their beginning. And one, one of the people, the, the, um, the person that when we did that exercise and, and they said um, that, oh, and I said, what's there? And they said, God. One of her arguments was me, with me was she said that the left is trying to take God out of everything. So even if they took God out of any, everything, just from that simple exercise, it would show it's an impossibility. Where, where are you going to take God out of? If God is everything, in this microphone, in this thing, what do you care about words? It's, it's the thing about it. Even this morning with that thing, love lives here, love of God. What does that mean? It's just a concept. It's just a word. Let go of the word. You'll be better off. Let go. I don't care if you call God squirrel, table. It, it doesn't matter. It's a word. And that's the problem. We're caught up in these things and it's time to let them go and it's time and I, and I know I said it before on this podcast the one that didn't air but but I do believe and I and I feel like it was I really do Colin I want to sit down with the creator of that show Messiah on Netflix whether the Messiah character is bad or good he says something that I feel like is important and he says it a few times throughout the show it's time that history ends it's time. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that if this is what's needed to make history end, it's time to let it end. I, I, it's the only way to go forward. Enough now. And my way of looking at it, and my way, I guess, coming to peace with it, um, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm using this as a way to come to peace with it, to convince myself, because, you know, the truth I don't know what the truth is exactly about this situation, but I see a lot of people, at least with the Black Lives Matter and this and that, I feel like, yeah, they have a reason to be angry, right? And when I speak with people, um, like in my community, which a lot of them are immigrants, you know, and they always say like, well, we came here, we worked hard and this and that. I said, yeah, but you know what? We also know a lot of people that came here, they worked hard and they're like, I'm not cut out for this. And they went back. You know, the black guy can't go anywhere. You know what I mean? There, there's a huge difference in that. So as a culture, I feel it's, it's, a, it's a traumatized culture. And if I know with my own traumas, there was, a, there was a period when it started to boil up and come to the surface where you feel angry, right? And you just want to lash out. And if someone told me back then, They'd be like, well, you know, you got to look at the other side and who knows what those people were going through. I would tell you, you know what? Fuck you. You know, because you're angry, right? But in time, later on, you start to find compassion. And then 
even more importantly, you begin to drop that story. And then the story is no longer there. It's just a, it's just a story. But it holds no, it's not in your body anymore. It got worked out. You know what I mean? And I feel if this is what we need to do so that our future kids don't even look at each other with color. Like, yeah, I'm black, I'm white, who gives a sh- who cares? Then, okay, let's go throw it. Let's battle it out if that's what we need to do. The o- my only fear that I have is that I don't see any, you know, usually when someone's going through a trauma, they have like a therapist. They have someone that can help guide them go th- to go through that. But I feel all I'm seeing is opportuni- uh, opportunists playing on those traumas. And uh, we need someone, like what we need is a, like a, I, I, in my opinion, we need like a Martin Luther King. We need someone that has that strong presence to be like, they're not our enemies and we're not violent people. You know, we're just working it out and we can only work it out together. Um, and we have to, because we come from the same place and we're all ending up at the same place. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Sorry for the rant, but <laughs> it's not. No, 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 no. That's that's one of your gifts. You can tap into that and just go. And I know when that's happening. Like, all right, let's let this go. Yeah. Um one of your many gifts and where to begin that was like 12 minutes by the way oh was it yeah it's good stuff you were in a trance weren't you yeah i felt like usually when i get that like (laughs) um i don't know but what was said is the the truth yeah let's unpack it a bit because there's a lot and i i think i have a pretty good list i didn't write it down but i think we can get through it pretty uh, clearly and and keep going the one the easiest piece right near the end there is of course, the distinction between seemingly most immigrants and African-Americans is the voluntary nature of it, obviously. Hence, you're saying it's there's a underlying trauma to the story of the African-American, which the only reason people wouldn't understand that is either willful or ignorance or a lack of education, both of which are probably true. And it's very... It's disconcerting either way. But yeah, that that's a pretty straightforward, easy distinction. Um, which I think is what you were saying, essentially, at the end there about the obvious voluntary nature. Um, yeah. Yeah, the difference between being slaves and being Yeah, yeah, it's immigrants. a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there's a story of... Um, two stories that I will reveal a little bit of my, my past. My parents might won't be happy. But... My, I've met your dad. I doubt he's going to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my great, my great, yeah, my great great grandpa. I think actually on both sides, on my mom's side and my dad's side. So my grandmom's, yeah, my grandmom's grandpa, on both sides, came to the United States and worked on the railroads in like eighteen something. Mm-hmm. And um, and they worked, yeah, and they the one worked in Ohio that I know for sure. And um, they beat him up, right? Both of them. They were, they got beat up. And so he left, right? He came when he went back to America. And actually, the reason why we didn't end up in Australia, because we were going to immigrate to Australia. Mm. The reason we came here 
is because he came here and he there was paper some I don't know something about that that made it easy for my grandma to get papers to come, something like that. I don't know the the whole story. Do you know the time period? This is probably late nineteenth century or what? The the great grandpa guy? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it was late nine late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and then and then same with um my I think it was my grandmom my dad's mom's grandpa. He came too, and the same thing. Like they they beat him up, and um yeah, the story, story the story yeah. is his foremans were these Irish guys. And they were they beat him up, and they would take their pay. So he killed one of them, and then he made his way back to Italy. Wow! <laughs> right. So, but the, there's a very important thing here. They both left. Right. That's the huge story. Well, was, yeah, and the voluntary. Right. Nature. They had roots. That's the difference. They had roots, and you know, I I don't know. Like I don't want to talk too much about you know that no, stuff because I, I don't. I'm not a you know I'm not a black guy. Like I don't know the. Yeah. You know what I mean. It was just an easy point at the near the end of that um, your your long your your speech there. Oh, yeah. We could that was the low hanging fruit of it. The the juicier stuff and uh, yeah, I just didn't want to skip that. That's all because yeah, of, I think that distinction is the primary reason people are not. There's two. Well, there's two reasons I think people aren't uh, fully engaged. Uh, why is Black Lives Matter, so to speak, as a phrase and as a movement, somewhat divisive? I think there are two reasons. One, racism, unfortunately. And the other is people are seeing how there's, like you said, opportunism potentially potentially involved or integrated into some of the movement. And that's a question mark. I don't have the answers to that. But I can understand how that would catalyze certain people wanting to have a... or certain people having a little resistance to the quote unquote movement. I don't think those people are racist and that's not a distinction that we need to unpack. The bottom line is of course the African American story is different from seemingly every other story yeah. because of the literal being taken, not choosing to come. Pretty obvious. So to uh, negate but, but that before just... we like go on from that, <laughs> but also I think like, yeah, it's true. It's a different story. Right. And it's a story I don't know. Right. Just right. like, I don't know a lot of things. I don't know what it's like to just have like, um, you know, the white American family that's been here for generations. I don't know that story either. But I don't care about that story. No. Because once you go back more, going back to that example I was using before. Which is where I was going to go with the question of yeah, what really is racism. It, yeah, really. <laughs> I, I almost think it's silly. It's silly. Like to to really look at somebody because of what they look like and you're basing this whole thing on, I don't know. I think that's almost like it's, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, it's like, I don't even see kids doing that. They don't, unless they're conditioned to, which is your entire point. And it is the, the sort of the, the bridge between yes. that superficial component and the, the depth and the, the meat of what you were really and getting I, at. And I think that's the rise up, going back to the beginning, like yeah. in the, in the gospel of Thomas, there's a, a um, a phrase where someone asks him, I don't know who, um, asks Jesus, tell us about the end. Tell us about the end times. Like, tell us. And he just says, do you know the beginning? When you know the beginning, you'll know the end. Hmm. And it's the truth, right? We're so focused on what's next, but you don't even know where you're coming from. Because if you knew where you were coming from, I feel like a lot of the stuff that people are arguing about are, is silly, it really is. And I know people are going to get, they get angry when I say that because they're wrapped up in it. 
because they're identified with That's it. That's not your problem. It's not my problem. Yeah, it's not. They're angry already. They just it, you just light the fuse. Um, but the thing is, is I I would like for them not to be angry. Of course, you know, is... especially that like, you know, even if there was past lives, let's just say there's past lives, right? And then, or let's say, and go to another uh, religious paradigm where there is no past lives. Either way, this is the only time I'm going to experience this planet through this body. Why do I want to waste my time? Really, why would I waste my time caring about this stupidity? You know, this thing about like even hunger for power and this and that. Like, I'd rather much go outside and go smell those flowers over there. And not because I'm like Mr. Hippie. I'm not. It's just like after a while, you. It's just I feel like it's a waste of energy. It's too much energy. What What do you do now? Like, what do you do after you get that power? Now I got to keep the power. Now I got to do stuff for the. It's just a lot of energy, man. You know, it's just a waste. But it also might be their destiny or it might be, who knows? I don't know. There's a lot of things I still don't understand. And maybe I could say this whole thing that's happening, you know, in the world and in this country, maybe it's just a part of it. It's supposed to happen. And if that was true, I would still ask you to remove yourself from the news and all the f things that are being put into your head to see if it's truly yours or not. And that's the thing, because my, I would, I would, it would be sad to see people taking up arms and doing all these things if it's truly not, if it's truly not their place in history. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And the lack of, have we really vetted our motivations enough and our actual understanding of what well, I'm going to use the word that we've You've heard me use a lot reality yeah. enough to justify uh, rising up against, and I'm not convinced. And it's part of why you know we were able to just so spontaneously do this today, which is really fitting because we we talk about these things all the time. We talk about recording all the time, and it just naturally or so spontaneously happened where it's like, yeah, we can do it tomorrow morning. And it is such great timing because I need your, uh, selfishly, what I get from you is this undaunted and not even on, it doesn't even seem like it's intentional with you. There's just this unrelenting commitment to holding that line of um, this mystical or what could be labeled and, and um, mislabeled, what I would say as mystical or sort of um, esoteric foundation for how to be human. Like you hold that line so firmly and just it's just the the gift that you so clearly consistently without even having to do a damn thing, bring to the table every time. And I selfishly needed that reminder because of coming from and the the difference being that i i get all of that i am right there with you i can be in that completely as well and gravity takes me to this question is okay so how can we more directly and and powerfully and intentionally translate all of this so that everybody or at least enough people understand it mm -hmm. and that's my whole thing that's the real wellness that's the whole point like this is stuff that needs to be understood as objective 
these are foundations for how we're going to be as a species, not just as certain identifiers and certain ideologies. No, no, no. This is as a species. This is objective stuff that needs to be understood for the for the good of us all and not to negate our uniqueness, not any of those things. That's a crazy misconception. Yeah. And, you're, and if you continue to toe that line and hold that, you will see what you're saying. You will understand what you're saying. It will not just be some sort of odd way of describing the world and life and existence it'll be understood as the foundation and i just i'm always grateful that you hold that line so clearly because for me i engage with people who are so wrapped up and, and you do too i engage with people who are so wrapped up in the fight and the 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 battle and it's because, but you can't just say this to them, it's because they're feeling inside, they're feeling found fundamentally for themselves discomfort and disease and disoriented. And the easier thing to do is to project upon someone or something that, that otherness and that enemy, which is no different than what you're literally describing and your whole point as, and, and is labeled as racism but it's just otherness those are just more socially acceptable forms of otherness oh that's the enemy that there is no enemy there is no mitch mcconnell is not sauron he's not channeling the dark lord he's not wielding the the enemy of the of yeah the devil it it's not that there is not there is no thing like that they're just other bits of carbon that have organized their perspectives in a certain way, which is obviously causing certain effects and it could be reorganized. And that's exactly what you're saying, just in different terms. So how do we catalyze that is the question without more suffering. And I don't want to get lost in that because some people would simply say to us like, guys, you're overthinking it. Like, no, I don't think, I don't believe that. I disagree with you. Well, I think you're not being you're not thinking enough. You're not going yeah, that, enough. That's the truth. You're but, not going, looking and, at it and enough. Actually, I remember this is a while back. I was having a conversation with someone where they said that to me. Ah, you're just thinking too much but about it. You give it. me the courage to I'm say I'm like, that. so you're telling, yeah, you're telling me that uh, this is back when, remember the whole thing, of, this is back with the whole border thing, the wall, right? Okay. I was having a conversation with someone about it. And then, um, and so I, I don't, I don't even remember what I was saying. I just remember them saying, like, you're just thinking about it too much, uh, or like, or going too far with it. And I was saying, so like, what do you? So you're gonna make, you're gonna make a result to the problem. It's almost to me, it's like you have a mathematical equation, and then you see like the little parentheses with x my. I'm like, I don't feel like going there. I'm just gonna make the answer. <laughs> Ignore the. <laughs> yeah, like, and so it's like okay. So you're just ignoring a huge piece of it. Yeah. And, and I don't think you can do that. You know, I, I, I don't. You have to go all the way. Well, you not have without to go all the suffering way. the consequences. Yeah. And, and, and people get offended also because when, when you do that, they say like, oh, so what are you saying? Like, you're, you went, you're deeper than me. Exactly. I, I, the elitist thing that got projected. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm not. I really am not because I don't think I'm deeper than anything. In fact, I would go, I would say the opposite because- even like those things, like how you were like um, saying these nice things about him, like I hold the line and this and that. You say these things and it comes off as this guy that he's done all this inner work and this and that. But the way I look at it is just like, 
I just feel like I'm a kid. And I still get, my eyes grow with curiosity well, that's at why like silly things, you. right? It's, but it's through those eyes that you can go into that place, right? You, you need to let go of um, a lot of things. And you're right, Mitch McConnell and all these people in power, they're just human beings, right? And you're right, they just human beings that came together, they had certain experiences, certain conditions, and they, they, they're a certain way, right? But that it's also malleable, right? It's not like uh, this microphone where if I start to try to change it, it's going to break. People, you can change, right? You can change yourself, right? Physically, you can work out, you can do eat differently, this and that. You can um, begin to unpack your bullcrap, right? By going doing inner work, there's you can change yourself. And I don't know the full extent, like I don't know the names and stuff, but and I know I, I like to use stories of, of saints and stuff, but. St. Francis of Paola, not Assisi, of Paola, was this uh, hermit from the south of Italy. Couldn't read or write. And he was like this hermit living in the cave, this and that. And they said that, you know, he was performing miracles. He was doing all these things. So the Pope sent someone to check it out. And the Pope, um, this guy that came to check him out, they were in his cave and he has the fire going. And um, he says, listen, you're you're... Too much because this guy won. I think he, I'm not positive, but I think he was one of the first recorded vegans in history, in, in European history, not not like you know in the East. And I, so he was like a vegan, like so he did a lot of fasting, um, you know, abstinence. So he was living as if he was living during Lent, but all year round. That's what he, what he was doing. So this guy that came from the Pope to check him out was saying that the way you're doing it and, and the people that are following you, it's too harsh, right? Like it, it's not a, a smart way of living. Like it's not healthy. And um, St. Francis picked up like um, embers from the fire. He's like, yeah. He's like, I must be so stupid that I don't even realize this should be burning my hand. And then he put it away and there was like, no, obviously his hand wasn't burnt. And then the guy's like, oh my God, this is a man of God, right? And he goes back and he tells the Pope. Later on, the Pope asked him that the King of France at that time, and that's why I don't remember the guy's name, uh, was sick. And he wanted um, Francis to go uh, heal him. So he goes. And he goes up there. And this king apparently was not the best guy, not the best leader. Um, and Francis says, I'm, I, I'm not going to heal you. Um, I don't think maybe because he couldn't. Or maybe he felt that he wasn't supposed to. But the king kind of took a liking to him. And he stayed there. To, he died in France. Like he stayed there the rest of his life. And he was a, kind of like a counselor to the king and to like the royal court. But through him being there, the king changed his ways. He became a very noble person, a, a man of the people. And he changed. And I, I, to me, that's a testament of what can be done. And this thing of going up against somebody, like, I don't like you, and I'm going to fight you and just replace you with someone else that has the same beliefs as me, but then they're just going to be the one in power, and then those people are going to want to fight that one in power. This back and forth, if, if you do it with compassion, if you go through something with compassion and without that dualistic, of think, dualistic thinking of them and us, then I feel like you can get change. So 
I feel where where we can actually help and do something is instead of like always bashing um, Trump and the White House and this and that. Well, ma- imagine if we went there from the beginning because we went there with some compassion and just to be like, hey, listen, and, and try to guide it in a different way. You know what I mean? I mean, I know as a father, if I tell my son to do something and I'm a jerk about it, what the, he he fights up against it. He pushes up against me. But if I do it in, in a way of like where he, at least f- with him, it works that he, he, if he can understand why I'm asking him to do something or whatever, he's less resistant and he can understand and, uh, and he actually learns. He understands the reason why he has to do a certain thing instead of you do it because I said so. I, 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 I think like we're missing that. And, and it's a shame because... You know, I feel when you know back when there was a civil rights movement, and you had someone like with a huge presence like Martin Luther King. I mean, I wasn't even alive for that, but I grew up, and Martin Luther King was like a hero to me. You know, I remember as a kid when I wanted a cat, I made a sign and marched around my kitchen saying for a cat because <laughs> of Martin Luther King. I know that sounds silly, yeah, but what I found was I did you get a cat? I did get a cat actually. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> But and the reason I'm saying that is because I there was something about him that I really really resonated. I really liked him. And again, I don't I don't feel that activism bone in my body like to go out and be like and you know hey. The, but I liked his way of going about it. It was like I'm not in your face. I'm just telling you this, and I'm just I'm just this, and I'm just standing for that. I'm not trying to push up against you. I'm not trying to um, do anything. I just want you to see that I, I have a different way of living and a different way of being. And I want you to see I'm not a threat to you. And we need that. We need it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope we get it. I hope, I hope, because um, I, I do have a lot of hope in, in, in people. I do. Because I see them as divine. Crystal clear, man. Crystal clear. Thank you. And okay. I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm going to play yeah. a play a role and push back a little bit um, because I can imagine how this could seem very, we'll probably just keep this whole tone, the entire conversation today, okay. which is great. <laughs> okay. Um, and also I have the old recording. We can always pick things out of it. I just screwed up my audio. Your mm. audio was good. Mine wasn't. Anyway, the... Let's let's push back a little bit on some of what we're saying, and let's let's acknowledge how, to some people, this could all sound naive, and let's unpack that. Let's also acknowledge how there could be a lack of pragmatism with some of what we're saying, and let's unpack that. Um, start with the pragmatism. There's there's a system that was put in place, it's been in place for a couple centuries, and it seems like a largely good one. And the democratic system in general seems like one that makes a lot of sense. So we have this thing in less than six weeks where we have to vote. And it's because we have this obvious way of giving certain people the right to um, have power. And the power they have is to make the laws. And the obvious problem a lot of people have with um, the way things go is there's seemingly the polar opposites in terms of how to what what people value and it comes down to values really and those people are going to put in place laws which are that negate what I value clearly that's the whole point yeah and 
they're what you're the naive part is okay of course we want to believe and i get it and i do inherently go there we want to believe that everybody that there's the malleability neuroplasticity is true for everybody nobody's hardwired to the extent that they can't see the light if you will and i'm using these terms and i'm saying them in this tone that is meant to sound sort of silly but i'm a big i've got a big problem with lying and with in seemingly intentionally hiding the truth from others and and obviously from oneself and there's no i i lose faith rightfully so as a healthy human in people who lie and lie straight up and are called out on their lies and just keep lying and those people are not worth i don't know if i'm saying this as much as the other like the fictional person who's who's will be responding to us but i i do think i'm saying this to some extent those people are not worth waiting for those people with power if they're lying it's not worth waiting for them to see the light there does need to be an appropriate response. So to think that we can just let them have the power, that the only way to get rid of that power really would be either to take part in the system, vote, part of that is voting. I think, I haven't, I haven't been convinced otherwise, or try to destroy the whole system, which seems like a silly cause too. So, so, I didn't exactly put all of that in a neat little bow, but the bottom line that I want to add, because I'm pretty sure you understand everything I just said. Um, the bottom line I want to add is that no matter how you relate to the system, no matter what your take on voting is and the efficacy of voting and the need to take a stand with voting, which we have to have a relationship with it. No, you can't not. No matter what, the question is, are you giving that whole thing, that whole system, all of your attention at the cost of your own power and potential for the people right in front of you and the community right around you. And I think the bottom line is it needs to be both. You can engage in this system and help to evolve it because clearly it's largely a shit show. Uh, and I mostly think about the environmental issues when I say that, not only, but mostly. It reinforces all kinds of absurd ideas. But the bottom line is if you if we're going to partake in reality as it is and engage in the system, can we not also deliberately choose to engage with the people around us, right in front of us, in a more powerful, intentional, purposeful way? And the answer is 100%, yes, we can. So it's, it's both. So I get the, the, if people were to suggest that this sounds naive, and there's a lack of pragmatism. No, no, no. It, I get all that. It's easy. It's not a complicated way of relating to the system. The system is pretty straightforward. And well, ju just to say, like when I'm speaking, when, the things that I'm saying, if it's understood correctly, or at least the way I, I want it to come out, when, when and I do have a difficulty to to let it be clear i because i have a hard time putting the words what i want to say I, I don't know but i don't think i I, I do i do want to say <laughs> what i'm saying has nothing really to do with politics right oh i'm saying it's like i feel we need to go because again what i'm saying it doesn't matter if you you have um right or left beliefs 
And to me, it really doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if you still go vote, if you like, if you vote, if you vote right, if you vote left, those things don't matter to me, right? Because I feel like, tell you the truth, a lot, uh, when I have these talks with people um, and they make their points, both sides, I feel like they make good points on certain things, right? They, they make some, sure. certain points. Yeah, and I understand that. Yeah. So I understand, like, if you say, well, these are the things that are really important to me, this, 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 and this. And this party tends to make those things more of a priority. Then obviously, yeah, go vote for that. But I also feel like that's what this country is about, right? To have that. I, My whole spiel is even... Wait, that's in, the whole problem, though. Thinking that they are the only like that they're what they're representing is the path no what they're representing is like no the right the, the idea that it's either or is the very problem yeah <laughs> right I'm gonna i mean that's true too and, and, and i feel like that's a, a different conversation well that's right? the one i'm yeah if, i mean if we're, if we're going there because my, my thing is just like it's just no matter who's there what's important is that you keep the humanity in it well and the focus on who's there so to speak can't be the only thing i'm saying that just focusing on that the people who we cast our votes for and who have certain power whether it's in terms of the legislation or the judiciary to and or execution of certain concepts and and perceptions and beliefs etc etc giving that whole thing all of our attention and all of our focus and all of our power is what drives me fucking nuts because it's to it's at the cost of and this is the either or I'm talking about all of our focus on that is at the cost of everything you're saying it's at the cost of what I'm also specifically adding which is kind of my little niche seems like it's my whole uh, my whole thing these days maybe it has been for a while we have more to do with each other right here in the moment the neighbors, the people right around us in walking distance, our community, we could be doing better as each other. So I'm saying that we're negating that. That's my whole thing is we're negating our power at the cost of obsessing over this thing. I'm not saying this thing doesn't matter. It clearly does. And even more and more so, especially after Friday, I get why that matters. But are we obsessing over that at the cost of our own experience with ourselves with each other with our loved ones with our children and the potential to create a better life for ourselves and the people around us is real and what you you highlight is the need the necessary understanding of what it is to be a human which i think can help make that leap so that people aren't i'm i fear that we'll be forced to do things or that people will feel forced to do things that they don't that they're not prepared to do and we don't and they're not going to want to and that'll that will be harder like the extent to which people are struggling now will be harder if we don't willfully engage with each other now and create what we can create now you know and it's you, not obvious i know I, I think you know what i'm saying it's I, that I whole do. village thing, you, you man. know when you're saying that it, it reminds <laughs> me of something when when and it may just be because of the people I kind of ended up um, becoming friends with during my time in, in Florence. But when I was living in Florence, what I found was like there was this very big community of 
people from Florence, right? Florence is obviously a very uh, tourist-driven city. So the people that are, like the real Fiorentine, the people from Florence, a lot of them don't even live like in the center of Florence. Like they just don't have the money to live there, right? So they're, they're all out on the outskirts. But everybody kind of knows everybody. And like, it's, just, it's, a, it's a big community, right? I feel like it's clo a closed community, but it is a big com community. And they do all these things and they have like, like I remember like people would go to uh, um, like these old, like this old supermarket that was abandoned and like young kids took it over and they would have like sh art galleries. They would, um, you know, they would have like big, like you could just go. And I liked it because, you know, I would leave work. If I, if I didn't have something to eat, I knew I can go there and get a nice meal for very cheap because it would be like a bunch of kids out in the back cooking and it was like bands, if like new bands would get their start by playing there. Like there was, it was a place, it was just, it's beautiful because all it was was a space and it was a space to do whatever you wanted. So people, you would go in there, there was people graffiti and there was over here, people doing an art thing over here and, and it was a community, right? And there was several of these throughout the city, um, and they were just like hangout places, like you would go to, and and this and that, and and I loved it. And I went off on that tangent, but there there was something <laughs> I'm trying to go with that. Um, oh, so if you ever follow Italian politics, I used to try when I was there because people talk about it a lot, right? People talk about religion and politics and soccer all the time, and they argue about it. But what's funny is that. It's not like over here that I've seen with people that they fight over politics and then that's it. They're not friends. They become enemies. Over there, people will argue about politics, but then it's over. They'll scream at dinner and everything, but it's over. And the reason why I could be totally wrong, the, the hypothesis that I've come up with is that the reason is, is that they let go. It's a soap opera. Like the, the politics in, in Italy is, is, is a soap opera. It's always changing. There's always new players and new characters. Like it's so hard to follow that I feel like the people have just like, they follow it as if it's a soap opera, but they're not heavily invested in it anymore because they've realized something. Even what did they argue about it? Um, they have one thing inside that that they're not saying, but th that's agreed upon. And that's why they still stay friends after the argument is that no matter who they're arguing for at the end of the day, they know that they, those people up there in the parliament don't care about them. Where over here, I feel like we have this thing where we feel like the person that the, the party that we believe in, they're the ones that are going to help. They're the ones that are going to save us. Where over there, they gave up on it. So in reality, they look at it as show. And it's a community that helps each other. They're not looking on some government to help them. It's the, they they help each other, and um, and I don't know. And and it's it's um, I could be wrong about that, but that's the feel that I got. Like the 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 politics, it really was. It was like watching. I know I'm doing an old reference. It's like watching nine hundred two and You know what I mean? Where you would have the new guy come in. He's in for a couple shows at the Peach Pit, and then. You know, something happens to him and, and it's like that. Like, be, out of nowhere, I'm like, where did this guy, what, did, what political party? Like, it will be like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I get it. And that's yeah. the way it was. But at the end of the day, it was just talk. It was no different. It held, actually, sometimes I feel held, holds less power than arguing about soccer. The soccer had more, um, 
yeah, had more power, had more control over the people than the the government did, you know. Um, but because of that, I feel maybe that's the one of the reasons why there was that strong community. You know what I mean? Because there, there, there are people. They're the grandkids. They're the kids and the grandkids of the World War II generation. You know what I mean? And they, they still had that. Like you know those places. Um, like I told you about, like the, the abandoned um, supermarket, some of those places where like Casa di Popolo and stuff, they're like these little bars that were put in place, you know, after the war um, that they were for the people. They're called House of the People, Casa di Popolo. They're there for people and they're just like little, you know, bars or panino places, but it's cheap. It's cheaper than going to a normal place, you know, and and people go there, one, because it's cheaper, but also because that's the community. It's a community thing. That's where the real people from Florence go. You know what I'm saying? Not the, You don't go to the tourist place. You go to the, you know, to the place that you support your community. But how does something like that get created? Because there's an other, right? There's others. There's Americans and Germans and Japanese tourists running around everywhere. You know what I mean? So... We stick together. We have a government that's always screwing us. So we stick together. So maybe the dualism in that sense, we can look at as like the dualistic thing isn't so bad because good can come out of it too, right? If we term it good, right? If we're looking, if we're terming community as good. Well, dualism isn't bad. Dualism's part of our experience. Yeah. You and I have. You're right. You're right. I'm, I am, like you've described, I am all. You are all, and I am also just me. Yeah. In other words, uh, I'm not you. To think it's just all is the kind of thing that will drive certain people appropriately nuts. And to think that it's all, that I'm just me and not all is the kind of thing that I think sometimes drives us nuts. Yeah, but kind of like <laughs> that, thing, that thing of So like, it's um, a dualism within the, the whole. Yeah. That's just part of the human But again, experience. but what you're talking about and how you're talking about like that the thing that you've been talking about lately and this and that, it's just a part of your song, man. Yeah. Like that's your song. And and don't stop playing it. But if if it's truly what you feel why you're here, then keep playing you know Well, it's been so long. I've been obsessing over it, I guess, without realizing it for a while. It's been like since I was twenty in the early 20s, 2021. Yeah, so yeah. it's something, a part of your experience, right? Yeah, and it's you speak about how you are you were being modest. You weren't being modest, but it could easily be seen as modesty. And it's it's a good thing that you would have that kind of... You don't even you don't have to work at what you, I was complimenting you on, and neither do I. It's a childish motivation as well. Like, I genuinely... I, I, I explore this for myself. Like, what is the motivation? Like, I genuinely believe that our experience as human animals, as you and Gray and I were describing the, the angelic animals that we are, our experience can be full of such wonderful flavor, mostly. And we literally are just settling for stale, flavorless cardboard. And it's because I know we're settling for flavorless stale cardboard that I, I'm so passionate about this possibility. And 
not to the extent that I can't sleep at night, thank God, that would be a problem. Then I'd really have an obsessive problem. But I see more and more. And just the, the second that somebody engages with someone else and they're obviously fed by that connection, just the actual human-to-human connection, it just affirms, yeah, the access to that isn't easy enough and it could be the access to co-creative norms to just creating which inquire which requires a childlike wonder which requires a certain um blank slate if you will over and over day in day out the access to that is simply not normal enough and it could be how to make it normal enough how to sort of what are the steps that need to be taken? <clears throat> that's what I try not to figure out. But I sometimes wonder if that's what I need to start sort of mm. expressing more and, and literally asking myself more directly because I don't see anybody suggesting it. I don't see it becoming a, I don't see it as a mainstream enough conversation. And that's what I mean by this circle. It's that feedback loop. It's like this this is a very specific case in point. Just if we truly want to change our relationship with the quote-unquote environment from largely, arguably, almost entirely destructive to um, supportive and and having that kind of stewardship, which uh, is, I think, best for us. And if we want to, if we want to make that shift, we have to take stock of our relationship with all of our resources, the very foundation of uh, what sustains us. We have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, we're, we're kind of, we're not really doing this in the most sustainable, supportive way. And the way we relate to our resources is inherently feeding this very destructive cycle on almost every level. Yeah. And that's a very nuts and bolts, nitty gritty component. How are we going to change that? Not on our own. It has to be together. The only way is together. But I don't see that happening. I see it as we need to change the laws and the legislation and the carbon. And yeah, of course. Yes. But not only that. We need to share our resources better and normally. Yeah, I go like if we talk about like you know um, policies and this and that, and we're talking about yeah, we got to do better for the. Let's just take take the environment, right? But calling it the environment with you is an insult to our intelligence because it's not an environment. It's just a macro version, a bigger scale of our heart and lungs and and metabolic systems. Yeah, you're it's right. just a bigger scale. Hence we make all these cute memes about how the trees look like our lungs. Da, 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 da. Yeah, 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 no shit. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But at the same also you know, it makes it cute, but I thought I also think it's necessary because if someone doesn't have yeah. that experience because a lot of people will be on their Instagram and get um I don't uh, a meme showing like the lungs the trees are like our lungs and they're like that's very interesting oh, because I wasn't a lot of bad. I'm just no, no. I know, I know you were. <laughs> but the reason I feel like sometimes it's it's 
sometimes necessary is because look perfect examples like you know Issa and I go my son and I will go out into the woods almost daily when I'm not at work right and um so we'll we'll be into the woods and of course what does a kid do they start running around they start picking up rocks or throwing it they're looking at little bugs all this stuff but sometimes I'll take some of his friends and it looks like they're in a foreign planet it's like every every plant they see or every bug they see, like, ew, what is that? They're so scared of the environment around them. Now, if we're growing up in a in in a if you're growing up where you're never in contact with nature, okay, you have no relationship with nature, how are you gonna grow up to fight for the environment? How are you gonna grow up and make the correct changes that we because it's still, if you say, oh, we need to clean up the environment because the polar ice caps are, it's still just facts, right? It's not hitting your soul yet. It's not hitting the spirit. But when you're in the woods and you sit down and you feel, you feel the silence of the woods, right? And you can feel it. And you feel that that change in you where you start to feel more grounded and you feel your nervous system relaxing and you become, you start to have a relationship with the environment around you then it's different. Then you go to something else. Then you're moving from a different place. How You can't hurt this place. It's my home. It's a part of who I am. And that's different. That's different than the polar ice caps are, you know, I saw, you know, that's why sometimes the picture of the polar bear on the ice cap or floating in the middle of the thing, it may be needed because we got to trigger your compassion somehow, Right? Just like it's, and I don't like to use that because now I'm just using it's it's using what political parties use, right? How how are these people? And again, going back to it, when I talk to people with either side and they make their points, they're always talking about something that has, you know, real quick. I'm going on a tangent. I know a guy that follows that like the QAnon thing. And they were talking to me about the the pedophile rings, right? And he was he was saying that like, look, you see these people on the left, they don't care about that. And I was thinking like, who, who wouldn't be, who wouldn't feel compassion for a little kid getting kidnapped and used in that way, right? To to feel like that that's that like to say that someone doesn't care and in fact by not caring they're participating in it. Is messed up, but the fact is, is that that other guy on the left that he's mad about it probably doesn't even know about you know the story that he knows about. You know what I'm saying? They're just using the, that they're tugging on your heartstrings, right? Because they can feel it because that little kid is a human being. But if you could feel that the tree and the squirrel and everything else is a living being just like you, and you can feel it. Yeah, of course you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, that that future generation that goes into politics, even if they still have greed, even if they still have uh, that love of power, there's going to be that thing innate inside of them. Like, I don't, I'm not messing with nature. I remember when I was a kid, me and my dad going hiking all the time. Nah, I don't, I don't do that because it's a part of them, right? It's a part of their conditioning. And I feel, why not condition ourselves with bigger things than these little why keep ourselves so small? You know what I mean? 
I don't know if I went off on what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you always worry about that. It's always good. I know. And this is one of the things that I do love about my relationship with Mick and where he and I, did you listen to that episode? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, okay. So that whole, I firmly believe this, that the primary relevant confusion, like you just said, why, why play small essentially? Well, that's rooted in our religious stories. And the main one that seems to have the strongest impact in that regard for the last mm, couple millennia is definitely the general story of separation from uh, the the place that we call home, okay? Some call it heaven, some call it God, projecting it as somewhere else. And that's not unique to Christianity, but it's definitely something that Christianity has really made fashionable, projecting the place that we really need to care about as somewhere else. Yeah. Okay, not hard to see how that can basically cause a domino effect of how we don't even really give a shit about our literal bodies, and that's also why you and I do love the fact that we can talk about poop and the people that who who are taking stock of the quality of their shit are they're the people we can really you know jive with because it re- it represents it's a it's a micro version of this whole larger awareness of the interconnectivity and the interdependence of everything so you start with that idea that what really matters is somewhere else something else some other fiction fantasy etc you normalize that it's not hard to see why we're where we are today what you just said is a whole different um, way of educating and re-educating ourselves sorry, educating our children and re-educating ourselves to primarily value what is here and now. So right off the bat, saying here and now, obviously that harks back to certain hippie ideas that are largely right and have uh, a relevance to, uh, to how we're going to move forward. The... Yeah, and it's really not different. You keep referencing Martin Luther King Jr. There's no real difference in terms of what we're saying to things that were said then and need to be um, recited and and re yeah restated. How can I think what you and I are large? I mean, for myself, I'll say it more definitively. I'm largely doing is is organizing my own world from the inside out such that i am adequately prepared for whatever's going to happen because in some way i recognize that there's a there's a limitation to what i'm capable of and there's this whatever metaphor you want to use a freight train a tidal wave a storm it's all sort of something that's just going to happen no matter what that's the point like something's going to happen no matter what and I'm largely, I think, focusing on the things that I'm focusing on so that I'm as prepared from the inside out as possible. And that could sound a little ominous the way I put that, but it's, you know, talk about that calculus equation. It just looks like no matter what, no matter what variables you play with to try to change the outcome, the outcome is largely similar 
no matter what. There's a big, there's, it's big. <laughs> and you'd have to be out. You, you, if you're, the only way I think you could ignore this is if you did find some essentially completely uncolonized or um, unadulterated section of the world in the woods and you'd never interacted with anybody the way we clearly have and, and with our um, frame of reference in the, the modern civilized world. And of course, I don't know those people. I don't know if you know those people, but I don't know those people. No. So all of us are engaged in the, in what's, what this, this big, yeah, possibility. So. And again, it might, it might just be, you know, everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen. And yeah, I, I just want to be clear. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. And everything that I, what I feel like uh, if I had one thing that I want to be taken out of this, if someone's listening to it, is that your dad is just, is just to be just to, just to, if you go with the flow of things and don't get wrapped up in all of it, you will be doing your part naturally. Just the way, like how you naturally gravitate to always talking about this thing about community and this and that. There's something in that for you. So you follow it, right? No one's telling you you're not, you're not listening to something saying this is what you're supposed to be doing. It's just something inside of you. It's been something of importance for you. And because we've spoken about that, you know, uh, multiple times. And I know, I feel I know my part. You know, I know what if, if things go bad, right? Um, let's say, you know, in November things go bad and, and whatever, who knows, things get like violent and this and that. I, I know my part. I'm not going to sit there and just start, you know, I, I think of my wife's grandma um, when there was the revolution in Iran. She lived, they lived near the, um, like a base, like an army base. So, you know, obviously the Ayatollah was uh, um, arresting the troops because they were the troops for the Shah. So people were like leaving the bases, soldiers were leaving the bases and this and that. And she would have soldiers uh, come to her house and she was giving them Layla's grandpa's clothes and then burning their uniforms so that they can, you know, walk away undetected. She didn't care, you know, what side they were on. She didn't care. She just saw people that were scared and people that were in trouble. And she helped them. And uh, and I feel like she wasn't acting out of anything. She was just acting out of just being a human being and seeing that fear and acted on it. Yeah, I just, I, I pray that... Um, more of us do that, you know. I, I I pray that um. I pray that things don't get so bad that people like that become movies later on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because they were the odd ones that they they were cur courageous and they went and helped people. You know, like a Schindler's List or something like that. Because everybody else was wrapped up. You know, they got wrapped up in, in that energy of um, that global energy of that time. But you don't have to be. Yeah, you don't have to be. And I, 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 I just want that to be clear because, you know, as things start to get ramped up, um, 
you know that that energy obviously with like the the radio the the tv and everything else that energy starts to get created it starts to get stronger it's like a strong wind um you can listen to the wind but you don't have to you know get swept away either you know what i mean i do i do i think we might pause sure i have something yeah yeah we can go in a totally different direction if you want oh no unfortunately i know that um I either have to cancel what I what I have. Oh yeah, you gotta after, go. No, I that's different. To... I thought you meant like Paul's like you had to go to the bathroom or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know we can do that too. Well, I was trying to push something back. I'd either have to cancel it or, um, which probably isn't a good idea for me to do. I should probably keep it. So I will. Yeah. But this was a this was good. This was a nice succinct. This is a succinct one for us. This is a nice, tight, clear, consistent. Yeah. Was, yeah. I think we've kept it consistent, which and. The tone, if anything, if we were going to like add anything, it'd be some sort of like playful tone, but I'm not sure. I didn't shower on purpose this morning. I don't stink, but I, you know, normally I take my nice cold shower and I get all amped up. It's like, no, I like the mode I'm in. I like the way I feel. And I think it'll be better to talk with Paolo, um, cause I know he never showers without <laughs> having been so awake and alert like we i normally never record in the morning and it's like no let's just go with it like let's pretend like i just got out of bed and let's like this is our our first chat like this is just the the morning chat and it feels good feels like a a appropriate tone it's a beautiful day and we're completely present with that and aware of that and part of what we get to do is is explore these particular uh well, our, our awareness in this particular way. I'm okay with it. It's a slightly, uh, I don't want to say heavier. What do you think? Like, there's Well, a... I, I feel like sometimes I'm, because if people are thinking that we're having a political discussion, I'm talking out of my territory, right? Like I'm an acupuncturist. But, well, I, that, but I'm saying we, I feel we like- We have as I, much we right were, as everybody Yeah, we else. were just, I was just <laughs> using that as a catalyst to just, just be who you are. <laughs> That's the thing, you mm. know, and- how you were saying that sometimes you feel like people are looking at you like you're naive or whatever for what you're saying. I just, you said something to that degree. Well, they're not necessarily saying that at all. I'm just aware that that it could seem that way. I, yeah. I just know what but I, I, I have. I this, wanted to say something yeah. on that because I, I used to think the same way. And I will say there was this, there's a person in my life that we have very different viewpoints. And I think it's because we live in two totally different type of realities. And he thinks like, you know, I'm an acupuncturist and this and that. And he kind of like would tease me about it. And, and you know, um, but one day this person did mushrooms. Oh, you told right. Me and this. then they yeah. call and then they called me and they told me what happened. And I never done mushrooms. I've never done those things. But he had a very profound experience where he was saying that I could feel it. I could feel it. Like I was one with everything. He was like so happy. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me how he felt and how he felt he was one with everything, one with, and he said he could feel it. It goes, it wasn't even in words. And then I felt like he feels how I feel. Like my words don't describe it, right? And he felt it. And what was most, most beautiful about that moment, at least for me, was he felt to call me to tell me about it because he knew I wouldn't judge him about it. And I, and, Pressure makes diamonds, right? 
and and I and with all this pressure, I feel more and more people are going to start seeing things like that. You know, uh, I'm not saying they're going to start seeing like they're hallucinating, but they're going to start seeing like, oh, you know what? Like, I, I, and they already are. Just how like you said, like that picture of the tree is correlated to the lungs. They're seeing it on that intellectual level. But the intellectual level sometimes will sink and they'll feel it. And when they feel it, they need people like you that are around because then they can gravitate towards something. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I do. And I appreciate that. And same to you. And the question, you know, John Morocco said the same thing about diamonds. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. Uh, did you listen to that one? That was I actually, did. I didn't was... hear the very end. Yeah. Like there, there was oh, that's, space. that's just a goofy, that's just a goofy. A lot of trucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the donuts. And the donuts. Um, no, he had a same the same point about this is how we're going to turn into diamonds, so to speak. This is the this is the process of becoming diamonds. Um, and I think I think we're all right. And I think what I what you just said to me said back I'll say back to you is that we're we're preparing ourselves. We're making sure that we're as um, that our we're doing our role. We're doing our part to make sure we're as capable and ready as we can i simply wonder to what extent and i'm not waiting but to what extent do we need to wait for anything to happen and of course i know you appreciate what we're focusing on here with the 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 direction we're going with the business and that's my current way of engaging and, and being creative and, and showing something i just i'm always asking myself hence the original question is there something else that i need to be engaged in as well I don't know the answer at the yeah. moment, and I. But I'm happy that I have that clarity about how to even relate to the question, what the question is, and how to relate to it well. I'm, I'm grateful to be able to have that clarity. Yeah, I I wouldn't be a good person to ask that question. <laughs> no, because I. But you're found, a good person to talk about yeah, the question. Yeah, because I with. I found almost every decision I made in my life that I thought I should do, yeah. it never turned out. But every everything well, that it's I, always about the what, not the how, right? Yeah, this everything is what everything that me. I just I acted on because it's just like it kind of like pops up and it's like my energy just goes. Mm, I gotta go. It doesn't mean I don't work hard while I'm doing it. Or whatever just co comes. Always seem to lead my life. Like everything from moving to Italy, moving back to Italy, uh, going to back to school uh, for Chinese medicine, like all those things, like. I think going to Italy helped me find who I was or, or let go, I should say, let go of who I thought I was, right? That, that was Italy. Um, and it came like that. Like there was no major thought, like hmm, maybe I should make this choice in my life. It didn't. It was a one night, boom, got a ticket, I went. Going back to school, the same exact thing. Something inside said, you should be an acupuncturist. So I said, okay. I started calling schools, how do I do it? The very first action, I met my wife. Right, I met her in line. So all these things. I'm not trying to give you a biography of my life, but what I'm saying is, that was the first. Time. It was just. It's about um, feeling, feeling what life is giving you and acting on it. And I and I I think like, but then if I start to put too much thought into it, intellectual thought, like oh maybe I should do it this way, maybe I should do it that way, it, it gives. I, I I pollute it. At least I can say for myself. So when I would say for you, I would just say, keep just doing what you're doing yeah. and it'll keep popping up and you act on it and let it go where it takes you. <laughs> but if you're in the same exact spot after 20 years that you get mad, you know. I Don't be surprised why. Yeah. yeah. All right. I get it. 
always appreciating yeah. you reflecting that back to say the least and exploring it you are a good person to explore the question with and maybe next time we will have and we've got two chairs here we've got yeah, two man. more mics maybe maybe gray maybe john maybe gray and john yeah that would be awesome the whole shebang um i better get on the other thing here all right uh i think we're good right, you feel cool. good yeah i feel good thank you Next time you're here, we're going to do the ice, right? Yeah. Yeah? All right, good. <laughs> I'm nervous about the ice. And maybe, yeah, maybe we'll record after that too, just to get your, your take. Um, I'm glad you're nervous. It's a good thing to be nervous about, but it uh, it's the same kind of mechanism as whatever gets you focused and clear and feeling. You were saying, let's people arguing like okay what if when you're lying on the table what are you really focusing on okay so same thing for me what if when you're relating to the heat and the ice what are you really focusing on what is completely on your mind it's your body and and the way you actually feel and what's really going on for you the stuff that you get obsessed about and and overly caught up in fades away you can't be focus on it at least not at first not until you master how to relate to that objective component of what's always going to happen what's net what do you have no control over what's in front of you you've got to master yeah. that do you ever think about i know you, i know we got to end it but we do. I, I do i think about <laughs> that like you know my mom talks about she's like i don't understand when i was small like you know growing up we didn't understand things about anxiety and depression and but she also tells me she's like and we were so poor like they were very poor my parents and i think like yeah because you had to worry about eating right yeah. you had to worry about other things you didn't have time you know but because she always talks about how happy they were they were out in the fields and doing this and that and i think some of it is because they they didn't have time they didn't have their, their mind had to stay more focused they couldn't go they could they didn't have time to um give energy to other things does that make sense? I, I could be wrong. Sense. I don't yeah, know. But, well, but when you said the ice, that's what makes me think of like, you're cold. Like your body it, 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 um, takes over. Like you got to worry about this now. I can't worry about what's going on over yeah, there. I yeah, got to worry about what's going on. You need to be focused on, on that. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, you'll, it'll, it'll break you. Yeah. And if you do, it'll make you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We, we could... We'll finish wonderfully do this all day yeah. no kidding I gotta get on alright I will see you soon yeah I'll see you too Miller. all right there's my friend Paolo honored to call him my friend maybe next time we have Paolo it'll be with John Morocco given the obvious uh, overlap in terms of tone and conversation topics um, and I'll certainly bring the donuts next time. And the the room here, it'll be complete. I've almost finished setting it up, and we're going to have the GoPro soon, and we'll be putting everything on YouTube soon. Um, and we'll be there'll be more than one person at a time soon, too. That's going to become pretty consistent. Uh, that being said, though, I am the next episode will be with, I'm very excited, my brother-in-law. This is the first, I've asked most of my family, um, especially my brother and sister, my I'd love my dad to join, I'd love my mom to join even, but my brother-in-law is uh, taking the bait, 
he's coming on Saturday, and we're going to record. He's going to do an ice bath. We're going to record. Um, it'll be his first time. I'm very excited. In the ice bath, not on a mic. He's a he's very experienced talking into a microphone. And I think he and I are going to get into... Well, you'll see, but I, I the ice bath part will be really relevant, and um, it might be more of what we were talking about today with Paolo. We'll see. He's a wonderful guy. You'll like him. See you then. See you for the episode with my brother-in-law, and I, I do think friend, Paul Mensel. All right. For now, thank you, and I hope you enjoyed everything with Paolo. Yeah, Paolo and Paul. And... It's always great to have you. Talk soon.